Uh, hello, everyone, and uh, welcome again to our um, video sermon. We're in uh, Lent in the Upper Room, Part 8, and the sermon title is our, <laughs> Where Are You Going? Um, from our text tonight in John chapter, well, the end of John 15 and the beginning of John chapter 16. And so if you haven't read that yet, you can pause the video and read John 15 verses 26 through the end of the chapter and then John 16 verses 1 through 15. Uh, so here in this part of the text where Jesus has just talked about persecution, if you want to hear about that, Andy uh, just recorded a great sermon on that that you can also watch. And um, Jesus reminds the disciples again, after talking about the coming persecution, that he will indeed send help. We see this in verse 26 and 27, that he will send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help the disciples. He says, I will send the advocate to testify, and that you too, as, as disciples, should also testify to Jesus. Now, I just want to remind us all what he's talking about here when he says this word testify. To testify is to go and, like Jesus said to the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5, go and tell of the great things God has done for you, right? To be a witness to Jesus. To not just be a witness for Jesus, but as Jesus is leaving, to join with the work Jesus has started and through the Holy Spirit will continue to do. See, this word testify, we've talked about this before in church, I don't remember when and which series, but it's actually the same word for witness or for martyr, which as we know is someone who dies for what they believe in. So what Jesus is saying is you need to be prepared not just to give testimony or to testify, but to live fully for Jesus. And that as Jesus leaves, he will send the Holy Spirit to help us live fully for him. Why? Well, because in chapter 16, he then begins to explain again about some of this persecution that will take place. He says, first he says, you may be tempted to fall away from this witness, and here's why. Because not only will you be persecuted, you see in the first four verses, but you might be thrown out of the synagogues, you might be beaten, in fact, you may even die because of this. That those who, who seek to kill you will think that they're doing a great thing for God. The disciples sitting there hearing this, I mean, imagine this, right? Jesus has now been talking about persecution and, and, and trying to explain these things. And here they are thinking, wait, if I, if, I, if I testify about you and continue this work, I can be beaten. I could be thrown out of the synagogues. I could even be killed. And Jesus says, yes. You know, we don't often think about this, um, how divisive the teachings of Jesus can be sometimes. Um, we love caring for one another, and, and, and even tonight we'll talk again about the love of Jesus. But really, to many people in the world, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is very offensive. It's very dividing. And some of you have seen this in your own life. Some of you maybe have tried to share your faith, or um, people look at you differently as a Christian. Some of you maybe have, have been afraid of this and you haven't really ever done it. You haven't ever really witnessed about Jesus because you know it's divisive. You know that people find the gospel offensive and so you've held back. And it makes sense. You know, we see this around the world. Even today, there are persecuted Christians everywhere meeting the same way we are through video, not because of the coronavirus, but because they have to. Or meeting secretly because of persecution. We don't see it in Switzerland so much, of course, but it happens. And the disciples are now worried and scared. They're worried that Jesus is leaving, and they're scared of what this might mean for them. 
They've seen the hate directed towards Jesus from the religious leaders and the Pharisees, and and, and now they're thinking, wait, it's going to be aimed at us now? (laughs) No, thank you. And so in verse 5, when Jesus says, none of you ask me where I am going, it's not because they don't care. It's because they're scared for themselves. They're not worried about Jesus, I guess, because they're worried about themselves. And it makes sense. They are in Jerusalem and they have seen how angry people are getting with Jesus. They have seen how angry the chief priests and the Sadducees have been with him. And they think, wait a minute, you're leaving and you're going to leave us in charge? Jesus, you're leaving us and you're going to leave us to deal with this mess you've created? These people are going to come for us. These people are going to come after us. And Jesus says to them, yes, they will come after you. No wonder they're afraid. No wonder they're scared. And Jesus says in verse 6 that he sees and knows that their hearts are filled with sorrow. Another translation says their hearts are filled with grief. And, And we know what this feels like. Right? We know what it means to have our hearts filled with grief and sorrow. Um, maybe it's what you're feeling right now. You know, maybe it's, it's because you can't work and you're worried about money, that your, your heart is filled with sorrow and you're wondering what's going to happen. Maybe you're stuck at home and, and, you know, home is just not a super joyful place for whatever reason and, and, you, and it hurts your heart. Maybe it's because, you know, you're spending so much time alone and isolated that you, that you long for more. You know, many of us right now at IPC, we come from different places. And, and in this time of sort of global questions and unknown, we miss family. Right? I mean, even being far from family is, is difficult and it sort of fills our hearts with grief. I mean, I just was talking on the phone with my grandmother who's 84 years old, 85 years old, and not only is she isolated and alone because it's not safe for her to go out, but there was also a big snowstorm in the California mountains, and and she was without power for two days. It's hard to be away from family. Now my grandma's safe, but it's times like this, our hearts get filled with grief. Our hearts are filled with sorrow, and we don't know what's going to happen. And the disciples are sort of in a similar place. They're, they're, they're afraid of what may happen. They don't know what's going to come in the days to come. They, they, they were sad. They were losing Jesus. Where are you going? Why do you have to go? But the grief we feel, the grief the disciples felt sitting with Jesus there is natural. It makes sense. You know, and then in verse 7, if you look at 16, verse 7, Jesus actually says that this is good for the disciples, that the grief they're going through is a good thing. And for you and for me, when we think about our hearts being filled with sorrow, these things can be good, can't they? We know when we look back at life that oftentimes uh, difficult things we go through teach us. They, they, they point us to the the. the wonderful things we've seen in church and with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I've heard many of you share testimony of these things. And so, in the same way, Jesus says in verse 7 that this grief that they're feeling is going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing for the disciples because it will lead them to a greater truth through the Holy Spirit. And for you and for me, this same truth holds up. That even though we're going through a very uncertain time, God can use this through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us to a greater truth and an understanding, not only about who God is, but how we can love one another. How? 
right? How do we do that? Because I think we all hear that and we think that's a good idea. I want that. I want this coronavirus time. I want this time in my life to be something that can still be beneficial and still help me, even though there's so many questions. Well, Jesus gives us in verses 8, 9, 10, and 11 a very good overview of how we might do that. It's great information about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will come and it will prove the world wrong about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. So let's talk about those three things. First, sin. In verse 9, Jesus says that it will, it will show the world a new way to understand sin because the world does not believe in him. What he's saying is that belief in Jesus is sort of this foundation of, of sin or not sin, that if we believe in Jesus, that is a good thing. And that the foundation of many sins is that people do not believe. The Holy Spirit will actually show more people who Jesus is. That they would believe in him. And that for you and for me and for people who don't even know him yet, that the Holy Spirit can and will reveal Jesus to people. Second, righteousness. The Holy Spirit is truth. You see that down later in the passage in verse 13. The Holy Spirit leads us to truth and it leads us to God. See, Jesus left the disciples to be with his father. And what he's saying is, I'm going to leave with you the Holy Spirit that you might follow in the same way, right? That we would follow in the same way Jesus went to the Father once we believe in him, turn from our sin, that our, the Holy Spirit will lead us to God, which is the definition of righteousness. God is the very definition of righteousness. See, last week we talked about good things bearing good fruit in John 15. And we can do good things. We can do things that are good and reflect God's love. But, but God is the very definition of goodness, right? He is like the maximal of goodness. The most goodness there can be, that is God. And so the Holy Spirit reveals to us sin that we would turn from it. And then reveals to us what righteousness is so that when we turn from sin, we might follow Jesus in the way to get to the Father, and then judgment, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit also reveals judgment to those who do not follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit judges those who follow the prince of this world. The Holy Spirit, we know as the story goes on, proves that in fact God, through Jesus Christ, is victorious and that the prince of this world is defeated. It shows people the folly, the Holy Spirit shows people their folly in not believing in Jesus, and in doing so, bringing judgment upon themselves. And so you see how the Spirit helps us here? How the Spirit reveals our sin, aligns us with righteousness, by leading us to all truth and away from the prince of this world, away from the judgment that, that, that waits for people who do not believe? Man, the Holy Spirit has got some work to do. And what's great about this passage, I think, is that it's not just the Holy Spirit's going to do it or that we do it before the Holy Spirit, but we get to do it with the Holy Spirit. That, excuse me. <coughs> that we get to do this with the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the things people always ask me is, I get this, I get that God wants to partner with us, that God wants to use us, but, but practically it's so difficult. It's so difficult to apply these things from so long ago to life today. Well, I think there's a detail, and I mentioned this briefly in verse 2, 
that helps us think about something practically we can talk about today. And I want to talk about this before we end. If you look back at verse 2, it says that those who are going to persecute the disciples do it because they think they're serving God. Now, um, we see this in the crucifixion story, how the Jews condemn him. We see it later through the book of Acts with Saul of Tarsus before he becomes Paul. That the Jews who began persecuting Christians thought they were serving God. And we must remember that there is much persecution in the name of religion, isn't there? In the name of, of God, in the name of who we call God, in the name of who other people call God, there is much persecution in this world. You know, and it, it, it's, it's hard to think about, but, but I want to think about this briefly, because if you think about persecution, many people throughout history have thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were doing something for their God or doing something in, in a good way. In fact, the way we think about persecution is coming from maybe uh, like atheist or um, like communist regimes that have quelched all religion. We think about persecution coming in that way, you know. Um, but really, historically, outside of the last hundred years or so, um, it wasn't outsider persecution. It was insider persecution within religions. Historically, uh, Christian martyrs, people who died, were either targeted from other religions or those within their own religion whether it be sects within Christianity or times of war within Christianity. Think about it. The Jews would persecute the Christians in the name of God. You know, the, the, the Muslim faith, Islam, has, has persecuted people in the name of their God, right? Christians persecuted other people in the name of their God and many, many times in history. Everyone believed what they were doing was right. Everyone believed what they were doing was serving God. And I had this question. And I want to ask it and just have you think about it. What if we are persecuting others in the name of God? I mean, really. We always look back at history and wonder, oh man, how could the church have done that? How could the church have missed it? How could the church have missed that point? How could they do that? Church, sometimes I wonder if this applies to us. And I'm not saying positively that you are or we are or there's one thing we're missing. Absolutely. I just want us to think about it. Are we thinking about our service in this world in a way that is opposed to the Holy Spirit? Because it's entirely possible that we think we're serving God but may actually be working in opposition to the Holy Spirit. It's not always a one-to-one -one comparison, but it's worth thinking about. And now some will say to me, well, okay, sure, uh, maybe there's some persecution, but we're right. We have it figured out. We know what we're teaching is right. We have the correct understanding and other people need to hear it, right? Many people feel this way about their beliefs. I've heard Christians say this, absolutely, right? Well, we, no, we finally have it figured out. We finally have it right. But let me ask you this. If we read the teachings of Jesus as they're taught in our scriptures, if we encourage other people to do the same, what are they going to read? According to Jesus, whose job is it to convict people of sin? Is it our job or is it the Holy Spirit's job? Are we sometimes, as the church, trying to do the Holy Spirit's job? Or are we joining with the Holy Spirit, with the work of the Holy Spirit, to continue the mission of Jesus in this world? Because I think there's a big difference we are not called to do the job of the Holy Spirit. We are called to join with the Holy Spirit in continuing the mission of Jesus Christ. And what that looks like is this. We know 
what we can believe. I'm not saying we don't know what we believe. We absolutely know what we believe, and we absolutely can teach and share what we know to be true. And yes, there are times where we must stand up as Christians. We must believe and never compromise. But when it comes to sin and condemning others, or when it comes to convicting others of their sin, what does Jesus say is the most important thing to the disciples? If you look at John 13, 14, 15, the most important thing he says over and over is to love one another, is to care for one another, is to lay down our lives for one another. See, church, we are called to lead people to Jesus. We are called that they would know the Holy Spirit in verse 8 and that the Holy Spirit would convict them of their sin, that the Holy Spirit would lead them to righteousness and lead them to God. We look at this passage, Jesus is leaving and he's saying, stay here and send people down the road I just went down or I'm going to go down. Send people down the road that they would get to know righteousness and they would know my God. And that's what he's calling us to do. Stay here. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of your own sin, that you would repent and turn from it and follow the road to righteousness, that you would then show others the way. And the way we do this is not by condemning. We as Christians do not persecute others in the name of God. We do, the, we do not try and do the Spirit's job. We lead people to Jesus so that they would find what we found. And what have we found? We have found forgiveness. We have found transformation, a regeneration of our souls. We have found reconciliation and healing in Jesus. All the things we have found, we share with this world because we love this world the way Christ loves this world. We don't condemn others for their sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to love and care for others. Let us, church, together, you and I, partner with the work of Jesus, especially in uncertain times as this. Let us learn to love strangers more, learn to love our neighbors more, reach out to people who are lonely in church, reach out to people who are isolated. Partner with Jesus and what Jesus is doing here and now. There's so many things we can do today with technology. You can make a phone call, you can write an email, you can do a video chat with someone for 15 minutes and just say, hey, I know you're not working, thought I might call and see how you were doing. How many of us is it difficult when we don't get to work normal hours and, and we realize that, wow, how much of our identity is found in work? If I don't get to go into the office, what do I get to do? Why don't we learn to love one another better in these times and reach out and lift each other up? Why don't we let the Holy Spirit convict others of the things they need to be convicted of? And why don't you and I focus on testifying about the love of Jesus Christ and the love Jesus has for them? And some people may say, wait a minute, is Pastor Sam becoming a universalist and stop believing in anything? Absolutely not. Is the pastor saying we can do whatever we want as long as we love others? It doesn't matter what we do in our personal lives? No, not saying that. The Holy Spirit will convict each of us of our sin. I'm confident of that. All right? Anyone who has been walking with Jesus a little while, any of you who have been doing this a while, knows full well that the Holy Spirit will reveal the things in you that need to be worked on, that need to be repented of, that need to be given to God. The Holy Spirit will convict all of us, but when the Holy Spirit convicts us, if we repent and turn from our sin, it will lead us to righteousness. It will lead us to the Father. It will lead us down the road that Jesus went down. And I'm not saying believe what you want 
and just keep it secret either. Because when people asked Jesus what he believed, he gave them truth. When people asked Jesus questions, he never held back with his answers. So I'm not saying to pretend you don't believe these things either. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is this, that people came to Jesus and asked him questions because he loved them. People gathered around Jesus and followed him because he was loving people other people weren't loving. And if you want an opportunity to testify, if you want an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with other people, you need to love them first that they would ask you, why are you doing this? We need to be people who love others so that people are coming around and saying, why is IPC like this? How can we come with you? How can we follow you down this road? And we say, let me tell you how to... There's this guy named Jesus who led us down a road to righteousness. Church, what the Holy Spirit does is it teaches us how we can draw other people into this life by loving them. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. And if there was any doubt, in verse 13, Jesus reminds us that the Spirit will lead you and me to all truth. And that if we trust this, if we trust the teachings of Jesus Christ, if we trust that the Holy Spirit will lead us to God the Father and away from judgment, then we will find truth. And we will be able to stand firm on what we believe. So it's not just about loving people and who cares what we believe. It's about knowing what we believe and finding truth in the Holy Spirit. Through the teachings of Jesus, through Scripture, through, through our prayer life, through all the things we get to do as a church. Because when we love others through the power of the Spirit to continue Jesus' work, we see why. We see why Jesus had to leave and make a way for us. We see how we can help people who need it find that way. How you and I can come together and help lead people to our righteous Father who loves us so dearly. So may you in this time be creative. May you in this time find ways to love others. And may you lean on the Holy Spirit to do with Jesus the work he's doing in this world. Amen. Have a great day, guys.